few weeks ago, if you remember, we did a sermon series entitled Family Matters, and we looked at uh, Abraham's family and sort of where they were going, and we kind of saw a little dysfunctional family work there and kind of learned from them, hopefully. And if I wouldn't have gone off and had a vacation, we could have continued along and followed up with Joseph's family because Joseph's family as well is a little dysfunctional. And maybe you don't remember the story, so I'm just going to wrap it up for you kind of neatly to bring you up to speed to where we are. But imagine you're Joseph, you're a young man, you're the, one of the younger brothers, and, well, nobody really likes you in the family, except for Daddy. You're almost Daddy's pride and joy, right? Now, Daddy loves you, but because Daddy loves you, and because you have this, I don't know, this, this ability to be in everything, and you're kind of like good at everything, you know, that kind of bothers those of us who have to be related to you, okay? So Joseph is one of these kind of can-do-it-all kind of people, and his brothers hate him for it. Sort of a show-off, you know? And so consequently, the first chance they get, they devise a plan to get rid of him. And they do. They sell him off to be a slave. And they come up with some fake story about some animal in the desert to explain why Joseph's no longer there to his father. Now, Joseph then is sold into slavery, and I'll make a longer story short. He's able to work along as he's in slavery. He's able to move up because, again, he's one of these people who can sort of do things well, and people notice that. And so he's not just a slave. He begins to move up into the household and becomes a, a prominent person in, this, in his master's household. Yet, Something happens, and he gets accused of some funny business with the master's wife. And, of course, that lands him in jail. So you kind of have this roller coaster for Joseph. But yet, Joseph is one of these people that can just kind of make things happen and do well. And people notice that in jail, he's not just any old jailer. He sort of works his way up, and people become uh, aware of him, and they notice him, and he's someone who can do things well. And so, yes, he's in jail, but he sort of moves up in the ranks jail, if you will. And it doesn't stop there. Uh, one day, Pharaoh gets upset with his baker and, and the person who guards his cup, and he throws them into jail. And the reason why, part of the reason why they're in there is because they can't interpret dreams. And, well, lucky for David, that just happens to be something he can do, right? And so Pharaoh picks up on this, and Pharaoh takes David. David is able to interpret uh, Joseph, excuse me, thank you is able to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and Pharaoh likes this and takes Joseph to be his right-hand man. And remember, Pharaoh is ruler over all of Egypt. Pharaoh considers himself a god. There is no one greater than Pharaoh. But right below Pharaoh is our friend Joseph now. So Joseph has seen a lot, and he's experienced quite a bit. Just a side note. You should watch the VeggieTale version of Joseph. You really should. It's really good, by the way. Now, back to the sermon. So, here we are with Joseph. He is the second in command of Egypt, as the story goes. He's able to recognize that there is a famine about to come, and he's able to prepare the land for it. And as people are coming and going to Joseph when the famine comes, his plan is working. He's able to feed people. He's able to provide for them. And people come in and out. 
every day. He sees people after people. And he's probably very thankful, I think, for what he's able to do. And he notices as people are coming in and out, out and in. One day he says, wait a minute. I think I know them. I know I know them. Those are my brothers. Where we picked up in Scripture today, Joseph has this um, conversation with them. He makes himself known to his brothers and he tells them, I'm Joseph. Now, can you imagine the look on their faces as he says that? He's no longer the little annoying brother that they pushed out into slavery. He is Pharaoh's right-hand man. Now, I want you to put yourself in their shoes. You pushed your brother out. You, let's be real. I know you're all nice church folk. But y'all done some bad stuff to your brothers and sisters. Hmm? So let's just say they get a chance to um, call you up on that. And they're a lot bigger and stronger than you are now. You might be kind of worried that they can do something. And of course, Joseph could do something, couldn't he? But he doesn't. And that always bothered me. Why didn't he do something? That made me a lot, feel a lot better about myself. Now, I'll be real with you. I have uh, sisters and brothers, and all they've really ever done to me is just be annoying younger sisters and brothers. Nothing over. I can forgive that. Done. No problem. But I can't imagine having someone so close to me, like my brother or my sister, having done something so terrible to me that one day I'd have the chance to confront them and have to figure out how I would handle that. But as the story goes, that's what Joseph had the chance to do. And Joseph didn't do what I might have done. Joseph, we could say, forgave them. Now, as we think about this experience that Joseph has with his brothers, there are two, I think, very common approaches that people take to it. And the first thing they look at with, with Joseph and his story is actually the whole story, not just this final part, that if you look at Joseph, he was continually shot down. He was sold into slavery, put into jail, on and on, and yet he trusted God. And that God did all this work for him that eventually he didn't stay a slave, he worked himself up. He didn't just get thrown into jail, he'll, he worked himself up to where now he's Pharaoh's right-hand man. And we recognize that as the story goes, that is an assurance for Joseph that God is with him. Now, the only problem I have with that is that for you and me, we don't always get those kind of assurances, do we? Sometimes it feels like we just get kicked down further and further and further. And yet we're still supposed to believe that God is with us. Now, understand me, brothers and sisters, I'm not suggesting that God is not with us. The good news is that God is with us. Whether we get promoted to Pharaoh's right hand or not, whether things get to feel rosy again or not, God is always with us. We don't always have to experience the up and down and the great ups that Joseph did to be assured that God is always with us. Y'all with me? Because I would expect an amen after that one, okay? 
Thank you. Now, of course, the second approach to this story is something that I would like us to consider a little bit today, and this is the idea of Joseph's forgiveness. Oh, forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Something we should look at, we know, but something that is, well, it's not top priority. Well, let's talk about love, because I can get away with fake loving people. Let's talk about serving the community because, well, you know, I can throw some dollars around, you know, do some community work or maybe volunteer and out. I can get away with that. You know, let's talk about reading the Bible because, you know, I can bring my own and draw pictures in it and act like I'm studying it and everything. I can do that kind of stuff. Talk about praying because, you know, I can pray before I eat and be okay with that. But when we start talking about forgiveness, boy, people can get really testy. What I don't want to do is make you think like forgiveness is simple or that it's always simple. What I would like you to think about, though, is how much do our families suffer? How much do our relationships with our spouses and our children suffer because of unforgiveness? How much do our relationships with our friends suffer because of an unwillingness to forgive? How much do we suffer sometimes when we feel like we're not able to forgive even ourselves? When it comes to forgiveness, well, we just close the Bible up and leave it alone and go about our way because that's a little more tougher to deal with, isn't it? Now, the reality is, and I know this because many people tell me, is that many of us try really hard at forgiveness. We really do. And it doesn't always work out the way we want. Maybe we want to offer forgiveness to somebody and we work it up in ourselves and we we script it out and we say the right thing and we've prepared ourselves, we've prayed, we've fasted maybe and we've sought out help from someone else and we finally get to that point where we can stand like Joseph did in front of his brother and say, I forgive you. And instead of like Joseph and his brothers, they all share a big hug and a kiss. Instead of that, the other person says, so? I don't really care. Didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to. Or or even we, we really want to forgive someone or something that someone has done. And we try and we try and we pray and we pray and we tried and we prayed and we tried and we prayed. But we just can't get it done. Many people I know work very hard at this forgiveness business. But friends, what I want you to realize is it is not always very easy. And the quick thing I think that many people do, especially us preachers, I'll just be honest, is sort of jump to the end of the story, like what we read from Genesis 45, and say, look, Joseph was able to forgive his brothers. He did it. But I also reminded that that is just the end of the story. And that end of the story, that's not the first time that Joseph has seen his brothers. It's not the first time he's spoken to them. In fact, he sort of set up this test for his brothers, and it isn't until after they've passed their test that he reveals who he is. And so sometimes I wonder if we could look at that and remind ourselves that 
Sometimes forgiveness is a process. That maybe we can't muster up enough courage and, or whatever else it takes to stand before someone and forgive them, but maybe little by little each day we could have the prayer of the woman from Canaan who cried out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, help me. That each day, little by little, we could edge away at that unforgiveness and recognize that one day we could have that chance. In all honesty, I think we realize that forgiveness does not always come easily. So friends, I am convinced that with faith and certainly with God walking with us, that it can come and it does come. Sometimes patience, forgiveness tries our patience, doesn't it? Now think about that woman who cried out to Jesus. How patient was, was she? How persistent was she? You know, Matthew tells us she was a Canaanite woman, and we shouldn't just gloss over that. Really what that means is, well, there was Jesus and his folks, and then there was this lady who wasn't like them, who was from some other place. And you heard how the disciples responded to her, right? Shoo her away, Jesus. She's getting on our nerves. This lady, she doesn't deserve to talk to you. She's not one of us. And Jesus sort of affirms that at first, doesn't he? He affirms their understanding at least that, you know, well, it's not right to give the food for the children to the dogs, is it? Jesus says, very strangely, I think. But maybe what Jesus is doing is recognizing that that's how a lot of people feel. That there are only a certain things that God is willing to do for certain people. And yet it was Jesus who said, great is your faith. And offered her healing. Her daughter, her family, healing. Now if I'm Joseph, and I'm there with these brothers who did such a horrible thing to me. I might be thinking like the disciples of Jesus. They don't deserve it. And maybe I'm right. They don't deserve it. i tell you what they deserve. Hmm? But he welcomes them. And he tells them, I will provide for you. And all will be well. I just wonder that if you and I could find some way, some way to persist and to grow our faith, that, that we could get to a point where we could have that kind of forgiveness within ourselves as well. How much would we and how much would our families, how much would our communities be all the better if we as God's people did that. Would you pray with me? Oh God, it is easy sometimes to think about your cross and to pray for you to forgive us and to think about that you have forgiven us. God, sometimes it can be very difficult for us in turn then to offer forgiveness to someone else, to someone else. So God, what we ask this moment is that first you would hear our prayers to forgive us. Lord, forgive us for all those things that keep us from you. 
and also, God, to move in our hearts in a powerful and yet strange way to be able to then offer forgiveness to all of your people. God, we know that that is going to take you walking with us and it's going to take your strength going past ours. So in your name, we pray.